When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Leafs Nation? I know it wasn't the greatest week in the world, but guess what? We are live right after the Kraken game. We gave you a little bit of a reprieve. Go grab a drink, a beverage, a bathroom break, whatever you need. But now it's the Leafs Weekender in your ears. Proudly brought to you by our friends over at Boxing Rock Brewing Co. Check out the big beer for the big podcast. And as always, I am riding with my two good friends. Clark Monroe and D434, Dylan Fournier. The family is in the house talking Maple Leafs, the woes that were this week, all the heat, the fire, the alarm bells, you name it. You might as well take the batteries out of the smoke detector because those are going off too around Leaf Nation. Whatever sound can be made, it's been sounded off about. But boys, how are you week? Solid. Solid, solid week. Actually, it was a confusing week i actually went home sick during uh the week and i didn't know what was going on but i was good i was good after that so i think i just had a stomach flu how, how was your week clarky oh it was great i was in calgary for the game against the yes. flames uh we not had a great deal. night no, no not a big deal and uh speaking of that i'll just do my uh, ryan whitney impression here again hold the microphone uh no but uh, it was a great uh, great trip uh really short obviously it was just like an overnighter kind of and then we drove all the way back so it's an eight hour you know it's a seven hour drive from from regina to calgary so you do that twice in two days and you get pretty tired of it but uh generally the uh the game itself the the night itself was pretty awesome i got to see some old friends uh one totally randomly that we just like ran into at a restaurant after the game i didn't even know he's going to be there uh one we uh planned a little bit with so I uh, got to spend some great time with my nephew, uh, and it was a uh, it was a really good time. Uh, do I remember most of the game? Uh, no, but I, I was able, <laughs> I was able to catch up with it, and I know the general gist of what happened. I got to see some highlights and everything, so I got I got it. But uh, it was quite a quite a twenty four to forty eight hours. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. If I know and if I know anything from the Toronto trip, I know that Clarkie doesn't remember much, but he and, remembers but, the key moments. The key moments, and Dylan, guess what I was doing the whole night? Hot dogs. Lizzie's. No, 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 oh. no, no. I did. I actually didn't have any hot dogs, uh, but guess what else that I was doing the whole night? Talking to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. You never got to the see story. the game because he never made it back to his seat over comfort. I, I think I met like 250 people. It was great. I saw this. <laughs> oh, I no saw the story wanted. of you going like this around, and I saw the guy behind, and you, yeah. I knew, just knew that you had a conversation with him before. So you. I did. And for <laughs> reference, um, uh, 
when Austin Matthews got his hat trick, I went around the entire section and shook everybody's hand. <laughs> <laughs> Such a Clark Monroe thing. Instead of instead of throwing the hat, that was the hat trick celebration. It was just shaking everybody's hand, and and most of the people were like, "Yep, you're right. This is a good business move. This is just pure business for Austin Matthews. Yep, business, shaking hands. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was good times. Classic. Well, the week that was for the Maple Leafs saw them going two and two with the victory tonight over the Seattle Kraken. Um, the games they lost, though, to the Edmonton Oilers and, of course, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, both games that you just can't have. I mean, you look at Saturday night, going down 3 nothing last night to the Vancouver Canucks and obviously battling back. That's all fine and dandy, but you can't spot a team a three-goal lead and expect to come out on the other side most nights and win that game. Uh, luckily, you have guys like William Nylander and Austin Matthews who can put the puck in the net, but this team is having an issue with A, either holding a lead or establishing a lead and making sure they have a depth grip on it. And tonight, I don't know about you, but I was in the same boat as most of Leaf fans. I was white-knuckling it down the wire until McCabe scored that empty netter because you just cannot trust this squad right now. You can't trust the defense, you can't trust the forwards, and you can't trust who's between the pipes. Sorry, Jones, you've come back down to earth. Sammy, tonight you held the fort. Congratulations. Glad you got the belt. Hold it high. Be proud of it and use that confidence to slay the Jets this week. Ground the Jets. Whatever you want to do, you know, be that surface-to-air missile that takes them out for the week. But whatever you need to be, man, just be it. Because obviously he needs to get the confidence between those ears and whatever he needs to be, let him be it. Yeah. Um... It's your eyes, Clark. <laughs> I forget. I forget the Oilers game, but I remember the other three. Um, I don't know. This this season has been disappointing, or I guess as of late, more or less. Um, you know, some injuries have happened, and obviously any team goes through them. But um, I think that when it comes to – and it's been a problem for a while – when it comes to the top competition, we seem to be competing with them-ish. But uh, in these big games lately, it, it it just hasn't been there. And uh, we beat bottom feed teams this week, but that really hasn't been the thing lately. Either, so I don't know. It's very frustrating. And um, the only goods is Nealander and Matthews in this lineup for me. What do you say, Clark? Yeah. yeah, you know what? It's it. I mean, obviously, anytime this team goes on the Western road trip, it's not easy. So I'll put that out there. And they did split it technically. They mm-hmm. went two and two on the road trip. So, you know, at the end of the day, they lost to a very good Edmonton team and a very good Vancouver team. So, like, yeah. some silver, some silver lining there. Uh, they should have won the Edmonton game. Uh, they had the Vancouver game in their reach, and they let it. You know, they just couldn't quite close it out, but. Uh, the problem is, is that this two and two road trip uh, dates back a little bit farther, and we're, nobody's thinking about just the two and two road trip. Yeah. They're thinking mm-hmm. about the five game or six game losing streak before that, and it's just causing a lot of. Dylan said frustration, and and that's the that's a good word for it. But I think it's causing a lot of just kind of looking around, and I think a lot of the fan base is just trying to figure out what what are they doing, like what what's happening, like. They've had so many hot and cold stretches this season. Um, 
and the hot ones are great. Like we just came off one that wasn't so bad. Uh, we had a good little hot streak going. We had a couple recently, not too bad hot streaks going, uh, but they're just surrounded by terrible cold streaks of just awful hockey. Give up, give up leads. Like you said, uh, James, and it's just coming to a point now in the season. What are we 43 games in? And, Yep. nobody knows what's going on. And I think that's the biggest thing is that it's not like years past where um, they just weren't good enough or they were good enough, but they were just losing games. I don't think anyone quite knows what they are right now. There's, there's, there's seems like a lack of identity, a lack of um, maybe direction, um, but it just seems like something is missing. And I think we've said that a few times on this show throughout the season. It's just yep. something, something's weird about the group. I, I just don't know what it is on paper. On paper, they shouldn't have any problems necessarily. Uh, but there's been mental health issues this year. There's been IR. And we just saw the Ryan Reeves thing today where he's been healthy for two weeks and he's still on IR and he's not quite sure what's going on. Like that's not a good thing to get out there necessarily. Stuff like no. that is just, this team seems riddled with the Klingberg thing. The I don't know. There's it just goes on and on. So um, I I'm at a point in the season now where I just I feel like there's a lot of heat on Sheldon Keefe. I don't think he's going to get fired this year, regardless of if they would have lost every game on this road trip. I still don't think he would have got fired. Um, that's just my personal. I'm not saying I'm a huge fan of him necessarily. I just the way the season's gone, I don't think he's going to get fired. And I think honestly, I think Brad owes Brad Tree Living owes him a move. Uh, a move, at least one move to try to give him what he needs. And um, I, I don't want to give Steve, Steve Dangle more credit than uh, he already gets. But, you know, he's been saying on his shows the last couple of weeks, like, give look at Sheldon Key. He's using Pontus Holmberg as your first line left wing on a nightly yeah. basis. Yeah. He's screaming for help. He's yeah, screaming he for something. He's, yeah. he's asking you, begging you to give him some sort of move to solidify this roster and give him what he needs. And it's just not there. And I it's, know it's not just easy. You can't just wave a wand and make it happen. But I, um, I think that's the biggest where I'm at. I think the biggest problem is the lack of scoring on the left side of the. Well, area. yeah, with Robertson scoring tonight, he's almost caught up to Matthew Nyes, which is yeah. the leading left winger scorer. And, and, and it's I not a knock on Nyes at all. It's, you know, it's hard to come into a league at, uh, as a rookie. You can't expect him to climb the mountain right away. You know what I mean? He still has a lot to learn. And he's a great player. Tonight, he's a great player. But I think I think that's that's one of the key problems is we've been relying on him a little too heavy in that top six role where he needs, you know, to help. He needs to, he needs to help and and to learn a little bit more before we give him the full leash here. Hey, that's just my thought. But, yeah, you guys are right. Yeah, Holmberg being on the first line is is a cry for help for sure. Holmberg didn't look, you know, out of place. He doesn't look. No, he, did, he doesn't. He, he's I, I love speed, his speed. He's got to learn to use the body. Same thing with Matthew Nye. Same thing. Speed and use the body. Uh, tonight, though, Nye's look good to me using that body, using that frame, separating guys from the puck. Doing all those things, Clark, that I when we talk, I praise him for, right? Uh, defensively astute, you know, when you start stripping that puck and turning it the other way and creating chances, that's what you need from Matthew Nyes. He needs to be the digger on that line. And when he does those things, that's when you notice him. When you notice him tonight, the physical play along the boards, you know, standing guys up. He has the frame to do it. It just needs to be a night in, night out basis. But like Dylan, I'll go to your point right when you talk about him coming in this league. This is his first full NHL season. 
There are high you expectations, know? of course, but well, not even just the expectations, just the difference from college to here and what it is on your body. He, he's not playing play against guys. He's not playing against guys that are 160 and 170 pounds anymore. He's well, he's playing against guys that are consistently around 200. Doing a ton more things yeah. than he's not used to. It's probably a, a combination of things. You know, it that probably takes a toll on his body and recovery. And it probably takes a, you know, I guess recovery, I guess in general is sleep, how your body feels in general. And I know that the Leafs have a great staff for that, but he could still be learning a lot about his body and how it, how it adapts to the regular season. Yeah. And the, and the one thing too, I think that often gets overlooked with college is that those guys like Chris Cuthbert said on the broadcast tonight, but he's already played more games this half season than he mm -hmm. played all year last year. And the difference too, is that he's playing on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, like, and in college you play Friday, Saturday. That's it. That's and you it. have the whole, you yeah. have the whole week to get back. You have the whole week to work out and, and heal and, and, fix those bumps and bruises, yeah. go to class, get your education. When you're in the NHL, it is NHL day in, Eat, minute sleep, by minute. Like you don't have it, you don't have any downtime really. And so that's a huge adjustment mentally for him. And I think generally he's handled it fairly well from what I can tell from an outsider's perspective. Um, and it's a good sign for, for down the road, but we always have, I still have to remind myself, you know, this guy is getting, the biggest workload he's ever gotten because if yeah. you also think about it as an american kid he probably came up uh through like the high school system where you don't play as many games you then you maybe he played I don't, I don't know exactly i can't remember his exact path but he probably played in the ushl for a little bit which is junior hockey and it's very respectable i'm not gonna say anything bad about that but and you go to college and like you said you play 30 to 5 to 40 games a year depending on your playoffs and he obviously went pretty far but you know, it's it's a big difference, and it's not just Dylan. It's not just the the kids you're playing against and the you know young 100%. men you're playing against. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the schedule and the grind too. I think yeah, that yeah. takes a harder toll yeah. on a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's why I think college players, uh, they always I I you don't see it every time, but like a good chunk of college players, they come up after their last college season and they maybe get off to a hot start or they because do something they have good a for bit the more in the bucket. tank. Yeah, they have more in the tank and they're coming, they're midseason form. They're coming off some of their best hockey. Yeah. They come into a system, they just get to go out there and go nuts. And that's what we saw with Matthew Nyes last year. And he had such a good impact early on last year. But then this year, again, you saw it at the beginning and then he's kind of tapered it off a little bit. He slowed down a little bit. And it's just the grind that is the NHL season. And that takes more than one year to learn. So he's, I think he's still holding his own pretty well. He, he was pretty physical tonight. I saw him bumping bodies a little bit yeah. out there. And he had a reverse hit later in the game, which was great, where he was about to get hit and he laid the other guy out. I think it was Will Borgen from Seattle. So like, there's some positives there. He had some giveaways. I noticed a couple of times where he made a silly pass or something like that. But again, that all comes. He, he's, he's a good player. We know that. And I think uh, down the road that he'll learn from all this and just be better for it. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I fully think he will. And I, I look at some people saying, you know, maybe Matthew Nice needs to be not even, I, I don't agree with the sent down, but maybe uh couple nights off here and there maybe yeah, that's what i was, I was gonna say regroup the mind regroup the body you know kind of heal up so to speak but uh we'll put a bow on the week that was for the maple leafs two and two well, obviously this week the leafs have a light schedule after back-to-back -back weeks of four games and seven nights now they have a week where they play two games since the winnipeg jets on a home and home 
So I'm going to throw it to you first, Dylan. What do you think the Leafs do with the Jets and, well, the Jets? Uh, I, I might get hated, but I'm going 0-1-1. All right, 0-1-1. Okay, okay. Okay, Clarky, what are you at? I'll go 1-1, one and one. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, Winnipeg is not a fluke this year. I think that they are legitimate. They have the record that they have for legitimate reasons, and it's the reasons that the Leafs aren't uh, necessarily equipped to overcome, uh, and that is good defensive play where they shut down their forwards, they shut down their offensive abilities, and they score timely goals. And that's kind of the thing, the two things, I guess, that if the Leafs' offense gets shut down and the other team is scoring timely goals, uh, this, this is just not a good combination for what this Leafs team is built as currently. I think they could probably sneak one away, um, depending on how it all goes. But um, given that it's a home-and-home, home, and I think, is there a day in between or is it back-to-back? Back? I can't remember. No, it's it's spread out. It's Wednesday and Saturday. Wednesday and Saturday. So, I mean, given that there's a couple of days in between, uh, that could go maybe a little bit into their favor um, just to give them a little bit of a break and some time to adjust to the Jets um, after game one. But at the end of the day, it's the Leafs and the Jets. You know these teams hate each other. It's still largely the same group that played each other uh, in the Canada bubble that hated each other generally. Uh, and I think it'll be a couple of great games. And, you know, if we see some performances, like if, if Sammy gets back in the net and plays like he did tonight, um, then we could see... We could see a couple really good games ahead of us. So very interested to see. It's a probably their best opponent. Well, I guess Vancouver, but uh, one of their best opponents in the last couple of weeks. And it's not going to be – no minute will be easy against the Jets. I'm going to go 2-0. and And I'm going to say 2-0 and because the Leafs will actually have some practice time, which they haven't had in the past couple of weeks, to really work on things and hammer things out that aren't going well, like the power play. Like the penalty kill, penalty kill, uh, yeah. You know, some of those things that you don't get to practice when you're playing that much, and a lot of guys are dinged up or maintenance days or whatever it is. So, I know the Leafs will not be on the ice apparently tomorrow, but they will be on Tuesday for a full practice, which is something they haven't had. So, and then again, you play the Jets, like you said, and then they get a couple of days again, another off day, probably, and then obviously a practice day. So, I, I say two and zero this week. I think the Maple Leafs are really going to turn it on. Uh, the best players on this team like to play against the best players on other teams and kind of do anything you could do, I can do better. Uh, hello, Austin Matthews. Um, so, And Willie Nylander starting to heat up again. So, And I really want to see this week John Tavares bump that slump. So I'm going 2-0 with JT getting three goals this week, bumping the slump and getting on a roll and shutting up Leafs Nation about his fall off on play. But we'll talk about him more in a bit. But that puts a bow on the week that will be. Now, we got the good, the bad, and the ugly, and there's lots to go around for each topic here. For me, I'm going to say the good. The good is Joe Wool is on the ice, and shout-out to our buddy Kevin Woodley, uh, giving us some sly updates on what he's doing and where he's at and the fact that we knew that he was going on the road trip before it got announced. That was pretty cool, and Kevin will be joining us on Tuesday night to talk all the things that he went over with Joe Wool and Curtis Sanford yesterday on the ice in Vancouver um, and really give us a further update on where Joel Wool is really positioned and standing on his own two feet, so to speak, uh, and ready to get back between the pipes for the blue and white. So for me, the good is the progress on Joel Wool. Clark, what's your good? I'm going with Simone Benoit. And I think uh, in the last several games, even though that they've been 
maybe having some struggles, obviously, in the in the results that they've having been getting that they've been wanting. Uh, one constant, decently good thing has been Simone Benoit and his physical play and everything that he's doing tonight. Kind of put an exclamation point on that, just with him jumping on Brandon Tanev uh, in that scrum at the beginning of the game there, uh, and just a few other things over the last couple of games have really stood out to me and. Uh, seeing him in Calgary again, I, I, again, he was just kind of all over and I, I got to see a good chunk of him. So um, Simone Benoit for me is the good. And uh, for the sole reason that he's just something that this team uh, has kind of wanted as a depth defenseman who can just throw the body around and be that guy. Uh, and he's showing up and, and filling that role. So huge shout out to uh, to Simone Benoit. Um, I'm going to go with Jake McCabe. Um, he has showed up the last two games. Um, he started the uh, little train last night to, uh, get the, uh, the three, three tie going. And then he scored again tonight, uh, basically the full length of the ice. And I thought that was very impressive. Oh, he also tossed the mitts with, uh, Brandon Tanev, which I thought was very well appreciated through Leafs nation. I think, I think that's what we've all been expecting from, McCabe, but I think he's been in the shadows a little bit. Maybe he's been banged up or whatever, but uh, he's my good this week. Yeah, no, he seems to be coming out to play, so I'm liking Caber too. That's not a bad good at all. Same thing with Simone Benoit. I love the quote, man. I'll hit the bodies. You score the goals. Let's go. Yeah, and, and huge honorable mention tonight uh, as well for Sonar, Ilya Samsonov. Uh, just um, – to, for him to come out and, and put together that performance that he did, I'm going to say it was basically a shutout. I mean, they did get that one goal on the classic Jordan Eberle kind of sneak around. But uh, generally, he played a really good game. He had probably, what are we going to say, five really key clutch saves throughout that Finally game. Finally, saves That's matter, good. man. They matter. Oh, absolutely. So I'm going to say uh, just a huge honorable mention to uh, Sammy. Austin Matthews on passing the Leafs player of the game belt to Ilya Samsonov. I don't think it was charity. Like a charity gift, you know, very well deserved. Obviously, it's been tough for him the past couple of weeks, and I thought it was a really good step in the right direction for his game. From wow. the Leafs Twitter account, get some smile. As Elias Samsonov sitting there with a scowl on his face with the belt. So, captain to be Austin Matthews, picking up his teammate, um, yeah. obviously the belt, trying to make sure that everybody knows it's not just a charity gift, that he actually – earned that belt tonight and obviously they recognize the fact that he's been battling mentally a little bit and hopefully this is the right direction i love it austin i love it buddy keep bringing that kind of energy man i, I think he's the captain man very soon of this hey, team buddy. i don't think you could see anything different there uh he's really taken the maturity to further steps every single season so i love it from pulling down his pants to pulling up his teammates i love it <laughs> uh, oh james i'm dead tired machine. man but that worked james. out well James, that quote machine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's oh, go with the bad great. for the week. The bad for me is the inconsistency. Was James' joke about that <laughs> pants thing. That was the bad. <laughs> no, that was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, yeah, so the bad for me is the inconsistencies with this team. Um, it's, you know, you look at them. Even last week, it's great the fact that you can have a lead, but you need to maintain that lead. And you need to maintain a full 60 period or 60 of, of play for an entire game. And guys, I'm dead tired. So if I stutter or mess up, bear with me. I'm we're working all on the same boat. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of a yawn as I say this. So we're all so, in the same boat. A full 60 is what they need. And they need to start on time or they need to finish on time. It's just whatever it is, 
they can either get themselves out of trouble. The joke now is, hey, spot them a couple goals and we'll come back and, you know, tie and win. Um, so they just need to figure it out for a full 60, whether it's starting in the middle or the end, wherever it is, they just need to keep their foot in the gas. And one thing I point out to you guys time and time again was even at the beginning of that road trip against L.A., they let the team back in in the second period with shots, third period with shots. And I told you guys that was something that if you keep seeing it, it's going to be a problem. And it was a problem every single game, and it's continued to be a problem. They allow teams to come back into games. And I said, when the teams are better teams, like the Edmontons, Calgary's, Vancouver's, they're going to get themselves back in Colorado. They'll get themselves back into games because when you give them opportunities and shots and all that stuff, they will take advantage of it. They're not the bottom-feeding teams. They're teams that know how to take those chances and make the best of them. So it started way back on the L.A. stuff, and the trend continued, and now it's biting them in the ass a little bit. But uh, that's my bad is the inconsistencies. Um this week, I, I know we'll talk about it, but I, th- I think Geo, um, it, it's time for Father Time to take a little rest. Obviously, we saw it in this game, but uh, he, he needs to uh, take some time management off uh, for a little bit. I think age is just catching up to the poor guy. Yeah. All right, all right. What's yours, Clark? What's, what's say, your wit? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, hold on, let me just get comfy here. <laughs> I'm going to say um, Brad Tree Living is going to get my bad. And the reason for that is is that this is a bigger problem that we've been seeing for weeks and now, months. Uh, and that is simply just inactivity on the management side. And I, again, I know you can't just wave a wand. I know, I know it's not just that easy, especially in the NHL with the way that salary cap situations are. You can't just go out and do whatever you want. I get that. But again, I feel like this coaching staff has been crying for help for a while uh, in some form. And I, I just don't, I don't know what it is, um, whether it is uh, they want to just continue evaluating what they currently have or they think they're good enough and they're just not getting the internal results. Uh, obviously, we're not in that room listening to those conversations. But I feel like the Brad Tree Living has not given this team anything to work with or build upon uh, since putting Klingberg on LTIR. Like that was his biggest move this year, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, you know, since then nothing's really happened and um, there hasn't been much activity across the league. So like I said, I'm sure that he's probably trying. I'm sure that there is some sense of urgency in that management office i'm sure brennan Shanahan's not sitting there being like yeah i'm loving what's going on right now i'm sure i heard i heard a rumor on 32 thoughts that uh they were actually trying to shop for a goalie but the picks that we were trying to trade uh everybody was just shutting down right away they were trying to trade a sixth round pick for an actual nhl goaltender and teams were like what (laughs) what are you adding with that there brad and, and that's the thing with the goalie market, and that's why I still don't think they're actually going to trade for a goalie is because they're if not. you're going to trade a sixth-round pick at this point, you're probably going to get a guy who's Martin Jones or worse. So it's like just Joey keep Martin Decor. Jones. <laughs> well, you know what? He's having a decent year, so I bet he's probably worth more than that. Like I bet 100%, Seattle's, not, 100%. Seattle's not selling him like for that much right now. Yep. And so I, I think um, the assets that would be used to go get a goalie when you probably have options in internally that – can and should be better than they currently are 
Uh, I just don't think those assets are well spent on another goalie in the system. I feel like they have yeah. with Wall coming back, who's shown us that he's a small sample size, but shown us that he uh, can play. Uh, Samsonov shown us that he can play. He won us a playoff series last year, more or less. Um, I shouldn't necessarily say that, but he had a great regular season and, and did his thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, we know he can be that. Martin Jones, you know, if you ask – 10 Leaf fans, I bet eight of them would tell you Martin Jones saved the season. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he's he's done his job. Uh, so to add another goalie into the mix is, I think at this point, I don't even know, especially if it's going to be I think a, that's... a third or second or third round pick. I feel like that could be spent better throwing together a big package for a, a big defenseman of some kind. And Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at with a that. a big off-season thing, if yeah. anything. Like, if Sammy's not your answer, you know, move on from him and come in and exactly i, I mean, think they already got their tandem for next year and in hildeby and and wool i think that's what they're going to run with and you can say well hildeby's green but at the same time if he dominates this season what, what do you do with him do you keep him down there or you reward sure. him by bringing him up as a backup and let joe wool flourish if you think joe wool's the guy yeah, and I mean you can always you can always have a guy now Martin Jones, Jones. Yeah, I'm, I don't know if Martin Jones will stick around next year too, but you can always have a guy like Martin Jones. Hey, there's Curtis. Hey, yes, Curtis. sir. <laughs> uh, you can always have a guy like Martin Jones, um, a veteran who's been around, uh, who can come in next year. You know, I think James Reimer's a UFA, hey, uh, but hey. you can you can always bring in a guy like that to. Um, to kind of fill that third goalie. And if Hildeby isn't quite ready or you, you give him a small sample of maybe 10 or 12 games and he's not quite there yet, you send him down, you can bring up the vet and figure it yeah. out from there. But uh, I think, yeah, you have to go cheap next year given the salary structure. You have to go cheap. And uh, I think going cheap in the goalies is actually valuable if you can make it work. And mm-hmm. I just hope Joseph Wall can, can carry that load as much as we think he can. Uh, but, yeah, and it's not just, again, it's not just not making moves, but – Corey Perry, he just signed with the Oilers. Yeah. Uh, and there was all sorts of rumors that there was mutual interest with the Leafs. So, like, what happened there? Uh, you know, stuff like that is just like, okay, what, Brad, what are you doing? Is this team, are you, are you going to supplant or supplement this team? Do you not believe in this team? We just, it's again, it just adds to what I said, you know, 20 minutes ago, where just, I think a lot of people just don't quite know where this team is at right now. Maybe maybe it's not a Brad thing. Maybe it's a Shanny thing. <laughs> and it could be it could be a Shanny thing. And this could be good going all the way back to why Dubis couldn't make anything mm-hmm. happen for so long too. Is it's not the general manager. Let's just go with that. Yeah. All right. Well, we got the ugly for the week, and for me, the ugly guys. It's one thing. It can't be anything else. And that is the twenty sixth ranked penalty kill in the National Hockey Agreed. League. I think twenty seventh now. I just. Uh, it's still. I'm still seeing twenty sixth. They are just above the Ottawa Senators uh, for rankings here. Um, this I is see league. 27th on Sportsnet app, but that's all good. I'm 26 on TSN, but either which way, they are bottom barrel feeding for the penalty kill, and it's bit them a lot of times this week. Yeah, There is a need for addressing this. I'm sorry to say uh, David Camp. For all you've done tonight, because you guys were great on the draw tonight, uh, it needs to be addressed. There needs to be something done for this penalty kill. It needs to be bigger, beefier, badder, and ready to go, because uh, this will not cut it in the playoffs, especially when power plays are at a premium and teams learn to score on those at key times during the playoffs. And if you have a, I don't care, worst penalty kill, because that's pretty much what you are, 
you're in with the worst teams. You're in with the San Jose's, the Minnesotas, the Montreal's, the Islanders, and the Ottawa Senators for worst penalty kill in the league. You got to do something, man. That's it's ugly, and that's why it's my ugly because it's just wow. Agreed. Yeah, and I I'm gonna also say that that's my ugly as well. I was gonna lean that way, and the only thing I'll add to that, James, is I said this before, uh, and I adore I adore Mitch Marner. Uh, mm-hmm. I love everything he does for this team, but I, I still time to time wonder if him getting so much time on the penalty kill is actually hurting this team in general. And it's not because mm-hmm. he's a bad penalty killer. I, I think he's generally a pretty good penalty killer, uh, but it's taking minutes away and energy away from him being as offensively dynamic as he always is. And I it's think it's fun. affecting in an indirect way. I feel like it's affecting the power play because the power play, I feel like at times the entrances aren't sharp. The, the zone time isn't sharp and the chances aren't sharp and how much of that power play runs through Mitch Marner, a so large nice. chunk of it. And so again, I'm not saying Mitch Marner's a bad penalty killer. I love the fact that he's a Selkie nominee last year. That's all great. But I just wonder if down, at some point here we need to have the conversation. Uh, and, I mean, we're having the conversation, but the team needs to have the conversation of let's tone down his minutes on the penalty kill, give it to whoever else, Yarn Croak, and allow him to be the $10.9 million forward that is the power play genius that's going to get 120 points for us instead of the 89 point forward who plays penalty kill minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. That's, that's, that's kind of where I'm wondering. And really I, I've, I've said it before on the show and I've said it in other conversations and I, I love the fact that he does it and he's good at it. Uh, but I wonder if indirectly it's affecting everything else. Just he's playing too much and Great it's, point. I'm sure he wants to play that much, <laughs> but at some point I think you have to make the smart call. And I wonder if that's one of them. Yeah, no, I'm fully in on that. All right, well, there's the GBU for this week, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, let's move on to some player topics here, and we'll round it out, obviously, with the uh, – we talked about the power play penalty kills. So we're going to skip that on the sandwich board. But, uh, yeah, Brody, Gio, and Tavares all have one thing in common. Leafs Nation's all saying all three of these guys have been tapped on the shoulder by Father Time, and it's time to slow it down and move along. We've talked about Brody at nauseum on this show. Um, Clark, I've said it to you, Dylan, I've said it to you. I think if you find a guy to put with Morgan Riley as a top pair defenseman and move TJ Brody down in the minutes and the position and the assignments, I think you get a better version of TJ Brody than you have right now. Uh, I think obviously, again, maybe age is creeping up, maybe an injury is creeping up, maybe something's going on with him that is just not allowing him to be the player that he needs to be. And if you move him down in the lineup, then you will have the best TJ Brody you possibly can have. Um, you know, that's saying the same thing for Gio. I think, again, this team is leaning way too heavily on Mark Giordano, uh, asking way too much of a guy who's 40 years old. This guy is supposed to be your bottom pair defenseman, but you're still playing him some nights, 20-plus minutes. Uh, it has happened this season. You can't do that. He should be a penalty kill specialist and a guy on your bottom pair. Just my two cents. And for John Tavares, I think there's an injury here, and he's playing through it. Um, You know, look at Austin Matthews, how much the wrist hampered him last year production-wise and play-wise. Look at Mitch Marner this year, same thing. We see the wrist or hand or thumb taped up. We all looked at it in our group chats 
Um, I think there's something for JT here that's slowing him down and hampering him. Um, I reached out to a couple people who cover Leaf practices and just asked, you know, what does Tavares look like in practice? You know, how is he? Is he laboring at all? Or is he skipping certain drills? And everyone came back with the same thing. He's on the ice early and on the ice after practice. Mm. So he's constantly out there. So maybe it's not a significant injury, but it's one enough that may mess up his timing when it comes to shots or just making moves. And we all know once you lose a little bit of that mentally, it starts to make you grip the stick a little tighter and it becomes a problem. And then becomes the noise from Leafs nation because you're an $11 million player who should be putting up points. So again, I think there may be an injury with Tavares for Gio. I think you got to limit his minutes and play him the right position. Same thing with Brody. Um, but yeah, obviously uh, everybody just wants them all to the town. I think, and I always go my way, man. Go positive with it. Try to figure out how to make it work, and that's, I think, how you make it work. Limit the minutes, put them in the right spots. And for JT, I don't know, slap him in a healing machine or something, get the guy back to where he needs to be. But trust me, he'll finish off with 80 points this season. Um, oh, yeah. For me, I, I, I look at Brody, and I think, like, I, I honestly think he's just been worked like a workhorse for too long, and I think it's just catching up to him. Um for me, it's it it's been like, I think there's too much attention or maybe even pressure on him night and night, and he's starting to make the mistakes, and that's what's really standing out. Um, and or maybe he's freaking tired from being worked so hard. I I, I don't know what it is. Um, Gio, like I said, Father Time, uh, and, and Tavares, I know that he's on a. I think a pointless streak as far as I'm concerned. I don't, I don't watch every game like you guys do, unfortunately, but um, I, I think as age goes on, we all know that uh, Tavares's minutes are going to diminish in, in a few, t- few years time anyways. But uh, regardless, I hope Tavares gets that taken care of and hits the 80 point mark with, with, uh, with ease. Yeah, I guess the only thing I'll add to that, and I think you're all putting out some good points there. And the only thing I'll add to that is is we've heard about this Matthews injury. We've heard about this Marner injury. We've we're speculating about a potential Tavares injury, and they're all playing through it. And you could see that it affected their games. And one thing I'm I've started wondering a little bit is I, I thought the Leafs had the best health system in the entire league. And so if they have all these specialists and doctors and sports scientists on hand, is there nobody in the room saying, hey, maybe we should give these guys a couple of games off? Like these guys are not playing good because this injury that they're playing through, maybe we should give them some off games and get, let them sit out a few games to get this injury healed. What are we- It seems like... It seems like this year... Am, like, I, am I silly? Am I crazy to think I that... Go, no. no, no, you're not. Like what happened? What happened said, to that way of doing things? If if they're not going to be good, let them sit out until they are good. What are we doing pushing them through in February and January and December, and then but come March and April and playoff time, they're still hurt. What are we doing? How many times have you heard this saying through the Leafs organization in the past couple of years? Um, the injury is not significant enough to keep him out of the lineup, and also <laughs> there's no further damage that can be done with him playing. So he's going to play through it. Yeah, we've heard I've that heard that so many times, and I agree with you, Clark. 
They should be parking these guys' biscuits and letting them sit in the box for a bit, eat some popcorn, drink some drinks, and just hang out with the boys and just regroup and, and be healthy. But for whatever reason, this sports science department's like, hey, they can't damage it anymore, so you might as well play. Yeah, like, and and then you hear of these surgeries that they get in the offseason, and it's yeah. like they're out three weeks. It's like, well, why couldn't he have been out three weeks in December and then been good to go for the playoff run that we needed the guy for? And that's if it's if it's something like that, I'm just starting to get frustrated with this. It's like, it's like give them time off. Let them yeah. take five to ten games off. It's not going to kill us. And if it does, there's bigger problems in this organization. And you need to figure out – we always talk about every single year we come into the year and be like, the playoffs are all that matters. The playoffs are mm-hmm. all that matters. And yet here we are in December pushing guys through injuries when they could be resting and getting better for the playoffs, and it's just starting to frustrate me. If that's what it is with Tavares, that's it's just adding to the list of things. It's like, okay, why didn't we just get this fixed when you figured yeah. it out instead of pushing these through? Uh, so anyways, that's my little rant. No, well, like, you, like you said, like it, it's been a weird – it's been a weird season, and there's no like identity. But I also kind of feel like you know, maybe there's – there's people at the top that are putting way too much pressure on, you know, said doctors and or Sheldon Keefe and being like, Oh no, they can't miss. They can't miss a moment uh, from these games kind of sort of thing. And it's like, you can't work these guys to the point where it's going to hurt you in the, in the playoffs. Like I, would you rather I, miss three games in December or January or three rounds 100%. of the playoffs in April? I'm just saying. 100%. And, and the other thing, too, is like, okay, let's go back one more example. John Klingberg, they knew about his hip thing the whole time, and yet they pushed him through and played him and played him and played him. And it's like he's clearly not right. There's yeah. something there. We can all see it. We all, None of us, I don't think, thought John Klingberg was a bad player. I mean, a lot of people probably said that, but uh, – <laughs> I think we all knew something was wrong. Well, everybody was saying yeah. there's, there's something off with him. Like, obviously, he looks rigid is what I was yeah. saying. In the beginning. His, edges, his edges weren't it at all. And and yet this amazing sports science group said, no, he can play through whatever he's got going on. And they knew about it the whole time. So I guess that's where my frustration is starting to come out is just like, I thought we had these amazing doctors that knew what they were doing, and it's starting to starting to feel like maybe they don't. I'll put <laughs> no, my tin. I'll put my tin foil hat on and and say I think there's too much pressure from up above. That's that's causing a lot of it. it could be we'll it. see what happens as this one goes. But uh, someone who's starting to go and Sheldon Keefe was singing like a little canary tonight <laughs> after the game about this guy Nick Robertson uh, came in. He was very happy with all the situations. Uh, the way that he managed the game, he was impressed with. Obviously, he's like and scoring the goal, but Nick Robertson came in, played with tempo, played with pace. Uh, you know, was good defensively. Got back, checked in for his defenseman when they were went in and pinched. He did all the right things to be noticeable, but also that line that some guy made a video about today that said, you know, we should put these guys back together because they have spark. Tell me they didn't have spark all night long. There was multiple chances from that line. The connection Domi between him and Domi is well. Yarns too. Yarns on that line. They had the opening chance. I know. So that line looked good. I mean, so for me, hey, Nick Robertson just is like a goal behind Matthew Nyes, and has played way less games than Matthew Nyes. Maybe you start to give Nick Robertson a little bit of a runway here and see what maybe he can do with a Tavares and a Nylander. And just get in on that line where Bertuzzi's having a little bit of a slump. Let him try it. What is it going to hurt? Or keep him with Domi and Yarncroak 
and have some depth scoring in your bottom six. But for me, I'm of the mind right now, give Nick Robertson some runway. Yeah. Let the kid play. Put Bird on the third the lineup, line for a little bit of size and grit there. Well, more well, grit. I guess still he's got a little bit of more. I'll bit. say this, man. that the, Nick Robertson, what game was it? It was it's a few games ball. ago where he bowled Buddy over in front of the net. He came in just, just – it was like a little bowling ball and just said, nope, you're getting knocked over now. But, you know, he did, he's not there for that. He's there to score yeah. and have, provide some speed, and that's what he can do. And he did that tonight, but he also played along the wall and did some physical things. So, we all, I don't know. Give him a chance, knew, man. We all knew what his shot looked like a couple of years ago, and and I, I think this guy's really loving, obviously, the connection with Domi. But I, th- I think he deserves a shot. I think you're right. Give him a shot. Why not? Yeah, I even, I even saw them uh, give him a shift after his goal. It got it got a shift out there with Matthews and Marner. So it's like, so they're clearly thinking about it. It's in the. He went, he went out there with JT and Willie too. And, and you know, one thing that I was watching in the, I think it was the second intermission. I think the first intermission, the guys talked about it as well. But in the second intermission, they talked about how the left wings uh, just, and we've talked about it tonight too, mm-hmm. but just how they haven't been producing. And uh, they said something along the lines of, who do you think the best left winger is? And Elliot Friedman said, John Tavares. And because uh, Nick, cause Nick, uh, uh, Nick Hiprio said it on their show earlier in the day, is that he thinks Tavares should be pushed up to that first line left wing spot. And Nick Kiprios then said, well, they've tried everybody else. And it's like, no, they haven't. They have not tried Nick Robertson on that line at all this year. Uh, outside of maybe a shift here or there, but they have not put Nick Robertson on that line. So they have tried Nyes. They've tried, uh, they haven't really tried Domi. I won't say that they've really tried Domi there. Um, they've tried a few other guys, though. Nyes, Yarncroke was up there for a bit. Bertuzzi was up there for a bit. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe they just haven't tried the right guy yet. Maybe, maybe Domi is that guy. Maybe, and now they need him as that third line guy that he's been important this year, but maybe Domi is that guy. Maybe Robertson could be that guy if he's healthy, like McCluskey says, but um, you know, it's interesting uh, that there's this narrative out there that they've tried everyone and nobody's working. No, they haven't. They haven't actually. So I'd, I'd be curious anyways. Yeah, yeah, give him some runway is my way of thinking of it. We talked about Joel Wool a little bit here. He's close, obviously. Uh, we If we would have went earlier, we would have had Kevin Woodley on and we would have talked about what happened on the ice. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, tune in Tuesday night. We'll have him on. We could talk all about Joel Wool and the goaltending of the Maple Leafs. Uh, Kiefer Bellows lighting it up with the uh, the Marlies. Signed his AHL deal. Congrats mm-hmm. to him. Uh, we've got now 29 points in 28 games. Maybe... Maybe a weapon in the wings, kind of like they were trying to do with um, uh, what was his name? Was it Josh Hosang? Yeah, yeah. They're trying to bring along and you know really Who's pump up this game and bring. They really love the uh, the boys from the island. Well, I mean, uh, Kiefer yeah. Bellows, man, Kiefer Bellows is a, a is looking more like a finished product than Hosang was. Um, yeah. But obviously, oh. Bellows is putting everything up, putting everything together. Maybe this guy might be an answer for you in your NHL lineup down the road here. Let yep. him keep going. Let him keep rolling. But, I mean, if you get towards the deadline and you're looking for a depth forward ad and he's still rolling at the clip that he's rolling at now, you yep. probably could do a lot worse in the trade market than to go in your own backyard and say, hey, let's see what he can do with us. Let's yeah, I mean, hey, they do. haven't tried him on Matthew's line either. <laughs> so hey, can you imagine they call this kid up and he just goes on an absolute heater and just starts yeah. world beating everybody? Uh, Let's go. go. Let's go. Might Man. as well. 
But no, shout out to Kiefer Bellows, man. He's doing his thing down in the Marlies. I wanted to get him in on the show because, you know, I'm looking at that. I'm like, man, you know, it's intriguing because he's obviously on an AHL deal. He likes what the Leafs have done for him. You know, the Leafs organization, I should say. Um, Obviously, with the Marlies practicing and playing pretty close to Toronto, um, you know, he's rubbing elbows with the coaching staff of the Maple Leafs and stuff like that. And also probably asking guys like Marner and Matthews, you know, hey, what do you think of this? Hey, I'm trying this or I'm trying to get this to work. What do you think here? What do you think there? And I think these guys are rubbing elbows and trying to figure things out for everybody in both organizations. So let's go. Bring them up. Let's go. Let's just do it. Trade deadline. Kiefer Bellows. One-year deal. One-year deal. All right. We, day two. We, we, yeah, that's what I mean. He's up to 29 points in 28 games now. Uh, power play and the penalty kill. We talked about those already. PK needs to be better. Power play needs to be better. For me, split up the units on the power play. Spread it out. Um, if it's not working or it's becoming stale, hey, man, it doesn't hurt to spread your offense out a little bit. Get some other guys some cookies. I'd love to see Matthew Nice as a net front present with a guy like Matthew oh. Marner and Nylander. I wanted to point that out. I noticed over the past couple games, they're doing like a reverse. Um, what do you call it? Just a reverse setup. There's friggin' defensemen in front of the net, and I, I thought that was a really smart idea. Yeah, I think one thing that um, I think they've been trying to do for a while, with especially with their power play, was try to play a little bit more positionless hockey, uh, so that it's not always Riley at the top and um, you know Marner and Nylander, Marner and uh, or Nylander yeah. and Matthews on the wings, and then Marner kind of flying around and Tavares in front. I think they're trying to make it so that it's more rotational, so that it kind of gives guys different looks in different spots. Yeah, uh, and I think I think they've been trying to do that for a while, but it just kind of has only it hasn't really worked out. And now they've kind of started to be able to implement it a little bit more. I so just, I think that's what they're trying to do more than more than purposely anything. putting a defense. Yeah, but yeah. I think they're just trying to rotate a little bit more and keep guys in different spots. I just thought it was a smart idea because putting the defenseman in the place that he's most comfortable in battling in front of a net with somebody else, he knows how to get an advantage with another defenseman. I thought it was really smart idea. Yeah, no, definitely a smart idea. Fresh. Keep it fresh. You got to try something different. (laughs) That's it. Keep them guessing. Keep them on our toes. That's what you need to do, especially if you're in the Maple Leafs who need victories. That's one way to do it. The last thing guys, 13 blown leads leads the NHL. Obviously, the Leafs have been a little bit of the comeback kids, winning a lot in the third period, getting it to OT, getting the job done. That was the narrative earlier in the season. Now, 13 blowing leads. I want it to stop right there. I want that to be the last of the blowing leads. I want to see the Leafs go and crush it the rest of the season, finish off strong. But you can't be a serious playoff or Stanley Cup contender with that kind of stat in your back pocket. That means when the game is turned up to 10, you can't take the heat. And what is the playoffs? The playoffs is every game at full dial. And if you can't take that heat and you're going to blow leads, that's a problem. Because tonight, I do believe, or was it Calgary, was their first win against a team that was in a playoff or by a playoff position since the beginning of December. So... It's not looking so hot right now, but hey, you win. Now you've won what? Just say two or three. Let's throw the Edmonton game out. Just count the other three games. You've won two of the last three. Make that a roll. Make that a thing. Get that going. Joseph Zita put out a great post that was copied and pasted by someone, um, and he called him on it. I loved it. 
great. JB. And Tom and JB. and he responded and said, "Sorry, I apologize." He All did. It. Yeah. Oh so, yeah. Justin, I wouldn't put it past Justin Bourne. He's a great guy. No, oh, JB's awesome. Uh, he, he actually was a Sportsnet thing that Sportsnet put it out. Obviously, using that tweet as their reference, but. Uh, Shout out to Joseph for doing all that work. You look at the records after losing four games. They're pretty stellar. So if we can put together something like one of those records, I would be quite impressed and quite happy with this Maple Leaf team. But, boys, it's almost 2 a.m. on the East Coast. I'm ready I can to see it in your eyes, bud. You're hitting, that, you're, you're hitting that pillow like no tomorrow. My like eyes it. right now, like literally, <laughs> I feel like they got two-pound weights on the eyelids right now. It is everything in my power to I've not look watching. like I'm from Cheech and Chong right now. <laughs> and if you did, nobody would judge you. It's legal now. Uh, yeah. But really, one, <laughs> one, one thing I just want to say really quick, and if you don't mind, it just be one minute here, is I wear this bracelet every week. Uh, it's from DJ McGrath Hockey. Uh, it's, it's okay to not be okay, which is also a saying of a guy by the name of Brady Lee of old. And if anybody watched Hockey Night in Canada last night, uh, Hockey Day in Canada, they actually did a special feature with Brady Leavold about his story. About uh, he was a uh, basically a, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning gave him a professional tryout. He was there uh, with Steven Stamkos back in the day. He was a very stellar junior hockey player, but he was dealing with alcoholism and drugs. Turned into a drug addiction. He was on the streets in West Vancouver. Uh, it's a great story. East Vancouver, um, in Vancouver. Uh, it's a great story. I've had him on. I had him on my podcast back in the day. Uh, Brady Leavold. Uh, Mental health is a big thing for him. He's a big, he goes around to teams and speaks to teams. DJ McGrath is here in Saskatchewan doing similar things uh, for alcoholism. And I just want to shout out any, any former hockey player who is now speaking out or doing some really good community work to get this word out there to the grassroots level and kind of keep that message going. I just want to give a huge shout out to those guys. And if you haven't seen the Brady Leavold special that, that Sportsnet did, go watch it. Uh, go check out his accounts and listen to his story because he says it in the special. It's it's very hard to listen to, but it's very important to listen to. And I just hope some people get some some stuff, some good things from some some struggles that he has been through in his life and, and other guys like him. So just shout out to those guys. No shadow for sure. And you're 100 percent right. It's OK not to be OK. And there's a lot of things going on in this world right now, um, you know, whether it becomes you know political or whatever it is that you're dealing with whether it's homelessness, whether it's, you know, money, whether it's work, um, there's lots of things that are weighing on people right now. So obviously mental health is a huge thing. So Clark, man, thanks for shouting that out and putting that out there. Cause that's something everybody needs and, and should not be embarrassed or feel ashamed or anything like that to, uh, to add to your repertoire, get out there and, and talk to people. And, I don't know. Maybe you'll feel better or maybe you'll make somebody else feel better in the, in the process. Yeah. And one thing I actually heard today actually is, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, hold a lot of stuff in and uh, sometimes you gain an insight on something of of something that you are holding in. But without sharing that insight to others and letting them kind of hear what you're going through, you're never going to get better yourself either. So feel free to share, uh, get it out there and uh, don't hold this stuff in because it it never helps. It always makes it better to get it out there. So just uh, a little message here to end the night. There you go. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you know what this is right here. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where the Maple Leafs and hockey come to talk.